the Mind Your OT Business Podcast, where we empower and equip occupational therapy practitioners to be savvy and successful entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Laura Park Figueroa. Ready to take action? Let's jump in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mind Your OT Business. If this is your first time tuning in, I am so thankful to you for taking time out of your day to listen in. You are going to learn so much today. I interview Meg Proctor, occupational therapist and owner of Learn, Play, Thrive in Asheville, North Carolina. You may know about her from online. She is on several Facebook groups, which is how I found her, and I wanted to interview her because her online course that she has developed is just meeting such a need in our profession. And I think that she has so much wisdom to share about developing a specific niche and making a course that is truly just her course is exploding in growth. So we talk about so much on this episode about getting started, about how not to break the bank, how to keep it simple, what platform she uses, how she structures her course, and just a bunch of other topics about entrepreneurship that I know are going to really teach you a lot. So here is my interview with Meg Proctor. Oh, and I forgot to add, at the very beginning, you will hear me speaking, telling her why I wanted to interview her. So here we go. I really feel like in the business groups online, I can kind of tell the people that I resonate with, like how they run their business. I don't know how to describe it really. It's just a feeling I get about the contributions they make to a discussion. And you were one of those people. I mean, I was like, she is someone that I feel like runs her business in a very thoughtful, intentional way. And I want to talk to her, you know, so you were on my list before I even contacted you to interview because I just love your work. And I wish um, I could interview you because I'm, I'm intrigued about everything you do, but (laughs) we could do a reverse interview maybe (laughs) at some point. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. So let's, let's dive in here. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I just cannot wait to have this conversation and We always start with having you tell us about how you started your current business and what your business looks like today. So how are you spending your time in your business today? Yeah. Um, First of all, I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you. So my business is Learn, Play, Thrive. And what I do right now, I'll tell you what I do and then I'll backtrack to how I got here a little bit. All that I'm doing right now for my business is I am teaching, training, and consulting. So I have an online course called the Learn, Play, Thrive Approach to Autism that I teach to mostly occupational therapists. So I have folks from other disciplines who take it. I also teach that live near where I live in Asheville, North Carolina, within kind of a couple of states up there. And I consult at residential programs and school programs, and I consult with therapists via teleconferencing. I do hope to add more direct work back into my practice in the future because I feel like it keeps my teaching fresh and relevant Yeah. Uh, if I still have that client interaction. But that is, that is what I'm doing right now and I'm really loving it. So I'll tell you how I got here. And before I do, I want to just like sidetrack on language because you're going to hear me say autistic people. And I feel like we all go, oh, we're supposed to say people with autism. Yeah, it's a label. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I, I just made that change this month. Um, I saw and that, that is, on your website. Yeah. So I like to clarify because I know people hear that as, ooh, she doesn't know she's not supposed to say that. Right, right. Um, so I like to take that When you're the expert, really. Like, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not, I'm not the expert. I, I say autistic adults are the expert. So there's an overwhelming preference in the um, autistic community to use that identity first and identity affirming language of autistic huh. rather than people with autism. Because we only use person first language with things that are bad. And we use identity yeah. first with things that it's okay to identify with. I am a neurotypical person and you are a person with autism. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's and like a reframing some... of, of how we think about it. That's a really interesting point. I know. It, I kind of had to stop and go, whoa. Yeah. There's even, there was a recent research article that came out about person first language being stigmatizing. Hmm. So at the request of 
adults, neurodiverse adults and their preferences, I have switched my language. So that's why you'll hear me say autistic. I stumble over it. I'm not used to it, but that's why you'll hear me say that. (laughs) Okay. So how I got here a few years ago, back in 2017, I was working as a clinical faculty member for UNC Chapel Hill's Teach Autism Program, the T-E-A-C-C-H Mm -hmm. And they're amazing. They were one of the first places back in the 70s to say teaches neurodevelopmental. It's not caused by refrigerator moms. It has a learning style and a culture. And I, I was trained and mentored and taught and learned so much there. And by 2017, I was giving trainings to teachers and psychologists from around the world. And I was working at the Asheville Clinic mostly with young kids, but with um, autistic kids of all ages, directly doing OT. Mm -hmm. And I think this is so common for a lot of us. Um, My shift into entrepreneurship started when I had my first child. I never wanted to run a business and I never really thought I had it in me. And I honestly feel like mothers can do anything, you know? Yep. (laughs) It makes you super, yeah, it makes you like, I wanted to say superhuman, I guess, superwoman. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Because it really, it, it really does stretch us and grow us in ways that we didn't ever think possible. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I suddenly felt like I could do it and I had to do it. Um, Cause I just had a big shift in priorities, you know, whereas before I didn't mind commuting and sitting in meetings and all those things, you know, everybody was right. at work. What else was I going to do? Suddenly I couldn't stand it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, any moment of wasted time, I wanted to be with my baby or doing something meaningful. And, and he, he, I just felt like he needed me. He wouldn't take the bottle. I was driving back and forth. Oh yeah. So I, it was clear to me that I needed to be working for myself at that point. So I left at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018. And I, I tried some different things. I tried cash-based teletherapy that didn't really land. Okay. I did cash-based home visits that I loved, but I didn't get a huge caseload. And I did, I was consulting with therapists, which I really loved. And I developed my first course and I didn't really know if it was going to stick. Um, right. But I had seen the need when I was consulting with therapists, I was saying the same things over and over. Yeah. And I was like, this would be more affordable for them if I could make it a course rather than them paying me by the hour to work through it with them. Yeah, exactly. And it would also be more efficient, you know, because I could teach it better with videos and examples. And so I developed it and I had one of my wonderful OTs who I consulted with and a colleague who I really trusted who wanted to work on her OT interventions. I had them pilot it. I got good feedback. It was a six-hour online course. And then I pre-sold it while I was putting the final touches. So before I finished developing it, I said, who wants to buy this? I let people go ahead and and buy it before it was available. And that went better than I expected. So then I really poured everything I had into it. Right. And I released it. And and I I sell it three or four times a year during enrollment periods. And it's just kind of gone up and up and up and up, you know, six people registered and then 10 and then 30 and then 45. Um, and I keep improving it and I I really just have had enough success with that and the other things that I'm doing that I was able to recently drop a side contract that I had doing school-based teletherapy, Mm -hmm. which was kind of my steady paycheck gig, my passion gig. So I just dropped that last week was my last week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Cause this is rapid. You're talking about, you left early 2018 and now we're at the end of 2019. So you're just coming up on two years in business. I didn't and, even think about that. Exactly. Two years. Yeah. 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 And you've grown from how many people did you sell your first course to? If you don't mind sharing. Um, the I first time. Seven. So seven people enrolled the first time and your last enrollment, you said 45 or something. Yeah. I mean, that is huge. It's huge. Yeah, I can't even do so the math exciting. on that. What is that? Seven, that's almost 700 times growth. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't know, but it, that's, that's amazing. And it shows that you met a need like so many therapists. And that's why I love so much of the language on your website, which you, we should talk about that too. Like how you kind of created all the language on your website. But I feel like 
you really clearly have identified something that a lot of therapists struggle with. They have these children with autism on their caseload and they kind of feel like what they're doing isn't really that effective or they're kind of supposed to know what to do because they went to OT school, but they don't really know if it's making a change in the child's ability to play and participate and engage with their family and all of that. So you have met a need clearly because that is exponential growth for only two years in, in business. That's great. Yeah. And it wasn't random because it was a need that I so desperately had before I started working at teach. I just, I didn't feel good about my work and I really wanted to, but I I couldn't find the right approach um, that both fit with me philosophically, but also was practical and effective and told me what on earth to do, not in a prescriptive way. You know, I want to be individual and client-centered, but but I actually had tools. And when I learned it, when I learned the teach approach, which I've modified and adapted and, you know, sort of merged it with an occupation-centered approach, but when I learned that approach, it was so in line with the occupational therapy practice framework And there were no OTs coming to those trainings. And all I could think was like, oh my God, my colleagues who are struggling the way I have struggled in schools and in early intervention and in clinics need this too. Yes. (laughs) Because I know I need it. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's so exciting. Okay. I have lots of questions. So when you first started, like your first course, you mentioned something that I want to draw people's attention to that are listening, that you had worked some on it, you were almost done, but you released it and, and pre, pre-enrolled people before you were finished, which is a tactic that other podcast guests have shared here, that we, we have to be free to put something out in the world before it might be totally done, because that gives you kind of the timeline to finish it in time to give it to these people, right? So you knew you had to like have it done by a certain date and that maybe helped you get the whole thing finished. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, The timeline, but also what I've seen recommended and I didn't do it exactly this way, but most course development folks will tell you pre-sell it before you develop it. So you don't waste your time if it's not going to be successful. Um, Yeah, that's good. Refund those people. If you know, if you decided, Oh, one person bought, I'm not going to make this course. Right. And you disappoint one person, but you saved hundreds of hours of creating content and releasing something that has no one interested. Exactly. So, and I guess that brings a question up for me of, did you, did you test your idea? I mean, did you, cause I think another way you could go about it is you could test the waters and kind of know if people are interested through other methods, like being on Facebook groups and kind of talking with people or interviewing people or asking people that are your target market if they would need something like that. Like, did you do any of that kind of like pre, pre-course development needs assessment, I guess I would call it? I did. Yeah. I didn't do it very formally, but I was, I was definitely in Facebook groups asking questions. I was starting to kind of build my email list and asking questions and my clinical consultation people who these people amaze me who will pay an hourly rate to get help with individual people on their caseload. I I think that they're, they're so inspiring their dedication, but those folks were were saying, yes, please, there's a need, but it still doesn't mean people are going to pay, you know, it wasn't pre-approved. It it does get CEUs in most States, but people don't know me, you know, I don't know if I priced it right. Like there were still a lot of questions that could only be answered by pre-selling. But yeah, I had done some of that needs assessment, mostly on Facebook, because that's where OGs are. (laughs) Yeah. Facebook is a tool. I went to a training yesterday that one of the nice things about living in the Bay Area, and I think they do them all over the country, but because Silicon Valley is so close to here, there's a lot of free trainings that Facebook puts on. I just went to one yesterday in downtown Oakland, and it was all about, you know, using Facebook for advertising and Instagram marketing. And they did a whole course on you know, just an hour long on Instagram stories. So I learned all these fun ways to do different things on Instagram stories because Instagram is still for me, I feel like it's such a robust tool for marketing, but it's still a challenge for me to like know exactly how to use it most effectively because I'm old, I'm 43. So (laughs) I'm not of the Instagram generation, but I was sitting outside at lunch and this car drove by and a woman yelled, 
F Facebook out because there was a big sign out front, like boost with Facebook or something. Yeah. And typical Bay Area, the, the woman drove by and was like, F you Facebook, you know. <laughs> and I, I sat there and I was like, you can, you can sit around and complain about social media all you want and say how it's changed our lives and how it disconnects us from people. But I, I think that as business owners, we, we have to take the opposite perspective actually and see the positives of it to say like, would you have been able to fill your course the first time you offered it? I mean, one, would you even be able to do it without social media, you know, but, but to think about how it has opened up so many opportunities for business owners to really reach an audience that is interested in their product or service. It's, it's made me much more appreciative of the era that we're living in where we do have this technology to enable us to connect with people that we can help, you know, it's just a really cool, it's a really cool time to be a business owner, I think. Yeah. I'm not actually on Facebook personally. I mean, I have to have a personal page to have a business page, but I don't have friends or post pictures or I don't use it. Um, and I hadn't been for years. Um, but my entire business has been built on Facebook and it's allowed me to connect to, to tens of thousands of people easily. So it's great for that. And that is a wonderful example of, of using it for business, right? You don't have to personally be on these platforms and like spend all your time on them. You can use them strategically for your business promotion without necessarily getting sucked into the negative parts of social media, which tend to be the personal things, actually. I am on Facebook, but I so rarely post personally. I kind of just want to stay in touch with a few long distance friends and it's fun to be able to, but I often get friend requests and I'm like, I don't know who you are. Like I, and I think maybe it's just cause maybe of the podcast or because of my business, it's usually OTs from somewhere in the world, but I just, I just kind of have that boundary that I don't accept friends that I don't personally know in real life or have had some sort of in-person communication with, because I just, it's good to have kind of clarity about boundaries, I think with social media, but Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. So when you first, so let's talk about how you created your first course and maybe we'll kind of get into, to the iteration of how it grew into what it is today, but, but your first course was not that long ago. I mean, it probably feels like forever ago, but how did you get started? How did you decide what platform to use? Like, did you create an outline? Kind of tell us how that was for you. Like, what was it like to create that? Yeah. So I should say my first course is my same course now, although Mm -hmm. I've been improving it and I I do want to re-record it soon with some new things, but it used to be called Effective Autism Interventions for OT because I am a marketing person at heart. I just was (laughs) calling it what what it was. Um, But that's straightforward. That's a good title (laughs) because that is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So now it's the Learn Place where I've approached autism. But so I did have an outline. I I have been giving trainings for two years. Yeah. So I knew what I wanted to teach. And I knew, you know, when you're a part of a big organization like Teach, T-E-A-C-C-H, you kind of have access to all these resources, but it's very, very hard to change things in a big organization. And I'm the kind of person who likes to, to generate and create and improve. And I was always like, I know a way this could be better, but I couldn't quite get it to the right places. Right. So I, I finally got to be like, I get to design a course in exactly the way I think is most effective for OTs to learn. Yes. So I kind of had an outline in my head, but I did get it down on paper. And then I'm trying to remember, I developed my slides. I recorded my videos because I have lots of video examples, but I don't have the luxury of using clients like I, right. I used to because, you know, UNC Chapel Hill is a big place with lawyers and solid releases and we yes, can yeah. record clients and use them. I'm not going to do that in my private practice. So I was getting friends, kids and my nephew and recording examples for my course. And um, I learned to use like an animation program called Paltoon. Oh, I've heard of it, I think. Pow- Powtoon. P-O-W-T-O-O-N. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Because so, nobody wants to just listen to me talk for six hours. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you made it fun. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So some of the things that I couldn't have, um, like an actual, you know, child, I would have a cartoon case study. Cool. So I kind of put all fun. that together. 
And then I started recording the modules. I was like, uh, you know, I just had this green screen behind me and it's just green. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't have anything fancy. I recorded on Zoom using screen share. Okay. With my earbuds and my laptop. No, I didn't even have a laptop. I was using my mom's laptop. Wow. So, <laughs> yeah. so, okay. Another good point here for people. You do not have to invest in fancy equipment that you don't need the second you want to do something, right? This is, you no. started kind of minimalist. You started just with what you had and you made do with what you had because it was functional and able to be used. And that's awesome. Yeah. I and that. I decided early to like, I want it to be high quality. I don't want any distractions that will make people be like, Ooh, I'm distracted from the content because of these mistakes, but yep. I decided to leave perfectionism behind because you could edit forever and nobody cares if you, I don't know, corrected yourself or took yes. your ear behind your ear or whatever. That doesn't take away from their learning. Right. Um, so I did edit, you know, I recorded and re-recorded and I wanted to get the content perfect, but I didn't, I didn't feel like I had to be perfect. Good. <laughs> I felt like I could be a person. Teaching. That's great advice. Yeah. That's wonderful. Um, yeah. So I did that and I edited it and it's, I put it on Thinkific. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's the first platform you used. Mm -hmm. And I'm still there. Um, okay. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's others. Teachable is the other big one. I had taken a course on Thinkific. It was good. I read about the differences. They didn't seem remarkable. So I just kind of took a leap of faith and went with it. Yeah. Um, Is it expensive? How much do you pay to host it there? I think initially it was free because I only had, you know, my two people piloting. Um, now I pay about $99 a month. Okay. There and are more they... expensive plans, but. Yeah. Okay, so walk us into, so you have six hours of video content with the, with the examples and the cartoons and all that. And then how does the course actually unfold for people? Like, I mean, I, you were teaching adult learners, so you kind of know about adult learning theory and kind of how adults learn. So in the Thinkific platform, I'm assuming you take them through like module by module? Do you do like an hour a week or is it self-paced or kind of how is it structured for them? Yeah, it's self-paced. Okay. Um, and at first I gave access for three months and now I give access for six months. The truth is I, I put a deadline on it because my understanding of the research is that without a deadline, people won't take it and they won't yeah. finish it. Yep. Um, but people email me and they're like, I messed up so bad. This thing happened and my husband got sick and da, 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 and I didn't finish your course. You know, I really wanted to finish it. And I always give extensions. Of course. Cause stuff it. happens in life. Yeah. Right. It's not a deadline to be like, no, you didn't finish it by the deadline. It's just right. to encourage people to actually finish it. So it's, it's a psychological deadline, which Absolutely. works, which works for enrollment too. Yes. Right? Like if you yes. want people to enroll, it's probably the reason why you don't have open enrollment anytime you want. If you're doing a course, it's good to have that deadline because it puts the pressure on people to buy. They know that they're not going to be able to have it for another four to six months and they kind of want it now and they want to get it before the deadline. So it's a psychological thing that, that causes an action to happen. Yeah. And that's really absolutely. smart business. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, there are six modules. They mm -hmm. do sort of build on each other, but, you know, it's like learning styles, behavior problem solving, building mm -hmm. schedules and to-do lists, teaching play and leisure, getting out into the community. You know, I won't go through all the content, yeah, there, but yeah, yeah. It, it does kind of build. So you couldn't just take module five without all of the understanding you built in module two, basically. Right. And then I have, for folks who take my online course, I have a private Facebook group that is optional, but a whole lot of people use it. And at the end of each module, I give a homework assignment where folks can take what they've learned and apply it to some child on their caseload. Cool. And then without any identifying information, they post it in the Facebook group so I can give feedback and ask questions and, and cool. encourage further growth and application there. So they kind of write up a little mini case study, essentially, like, we were struggling with this. This is what I tried. This is what the outcome was. And then people in the group can give feedback and you give feedback to them about kind of how it unfolded. Is that sort of the... Sort of. It's a little more structured than that. Okay. Because I'm helping them apply specific learning points from the module that they just completed. Okay. 
So yes. they just completed the one on schedules. It's like, you know, what, what did you learn in your informal assessment? What makes sense to this child? Objects or pictures or written, you know, all these questions about how and why they're going to develop the schedule. And then how are they going to teach it? How are they going to make sure they encourage flexibility and generalization mm -hmm. in teaching it? Um, and then they posted, and I actually have asked folks from the group not to give feedback. I just give feedback. Um, okay, because you don't want to misguide. Mm -hmm. People that are learning the same thing may misguide and, and mislead unintentionally maybe you know Absolutely. oh that's that's great structuring it for for yeah. errorless learning like you're basically <laughs> yeah. you're helping them get the right feedback to move forward with the right information yes and i do have an open facebook group where people post questions and everybody responds but that's different um yeah than the private one for the course that it's just me personally giving feedback to every single post from every person and are you, when you have people in the course, so you open the course four times a year, you said, and people have six months to do it. So you must be actively monitoring the Facebook. Do you have four different Facebook groups then as people join or yeah, is it one big, it's one big Facebook group for anyone who's bought the course? It's a party. People could go back and look at other people's work right. and get ideas and inspiration. Right. So those people will come back and be like, I developed this learning activity based on what I learned in the course and wanted to share it here and they'll post it. Yeah. There. Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. And then it becomes like collaborative and, and fun for people to be yes. there. So are you checking that you're checking that group? You're monitoring that a lot then because you have to weigh in. Like that's part of your weekly. You just have to do that every day. How often do you check into that group? <laughs> I'm, I'm not that organized with my time. I try to get back to people within one day, two at the most. Okay. I get notifications when people post there. And as soon as I get it, I, I respond immediately. Every once yeah. in a while, I don't get a notification. And so then I can kind of miss it and have to go back and dig. So a couple of times a week, I dig and just make sure yeah. I haven't missed anything. Yep. Um, yeah. But when I get the notification within like a day. Yeah, because monitoring, that's hard because I, I find that too, like sometimes Facebook, it's just, you know, it's a very large, robust platform, but it's sometimes there can be glitches because there's thousands, I don't know, thousands of people working on it all over the world. So there's obviously going to be little things that, that don't come through or whatever. So yeah, it feels a little like, oh, I have to monitor and make sure that I'm seeing everything, even though the notifications, and we, and we get so many notifications nowadays. I have a lot of mine turned yeah. off, but it's, it can get lost in the, in the flow of Definitely. digital life. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you monitor the Facebook group. You, now, do they have any other, as they go along in the course, so you have these six modules that they do, if, if they have questions, is the, is the main place where they get their questions answered in that Facebook group, or do they have access to you? Do you like show up live for them at any, I guess you don't because they have six months to finish it. So it's a self-paced thing. Yeah. Yeah. I played with that at first um, okay. and, and dropped it because people are just seem to do better on their own time. Um, yeah. Or at least the folks that I'm working with. I do definitely answer questions in the private Facebook group. If people have questions that aren't really related to the course content, I direct them to my open Facebook group for all people working with autistic kids. Yeah. Um, where I might respond. I'll probably respond if I have something maybe useful to say and lots of other people chime in too. Right. Um, I used to offer a 45 minute one-on-one -on -one consultation to everybody who enrolled in the course. A very small percentage of people actually scheduled those. Yeah. Um, people are busy and they just, right. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then I got intimidated because I, I, my enrollment got so high that I didn't want to promise something that I couldn't easily schedule for people. So I yeah. don't have that included anymore, but given how few people really took me up on that, you know, I feel like I didn't cut out something that was meaningful. Right. And when folks say, I really need more help applying this to my caseload, or I have a really specific stuff I want to work through, they end up purchasing a one-on-one -on -one consultation. Yeah. Cause you offer that. It's just for an additional cost now, right? Yeah. So, right. so yeah. Cause I was thinking while you were talking, 45 people enrolled with free 45 minute consult is a full work week for you. Yeah. No, I mean that, more. I don't work 40 hours a week. It's a lot more. Yeah. It's two or three hour work weeks for you. I mean, yeah. that's, 
that's a lot of one-on-one but it's it's a cool it's a cool thing to see how you're how your baby grew up, you know, <laughs> like yeah. how the course, I think it's really helpful. I mean, for me and for other people listening, cause I'm hopefully doing an online course this year. It's, it's in the works, but, but I feel like it's really helpful to see how, when you start out that, that might be, there might be things that you can add as value adds to the offering that maybe as, as your business grows, you don't offer those anymore. And maybe that's the first the first or only few times that people will be able to get that thing. And so maybe that's a way you can use it in your marketing, right? Like just for this first launch, I'm going to offer an hour long consult to anyone who purchases the class or something like that. So there's ways to kind of like build excitement and put in those freebies when you first start. But as you grow, you have to do what's best for you and what is feasible in your life because 45, 45 minute long consults would be crazy <laughs> to <Yeah>. implement. <laughs> That's actually a great idea. I hadn't planned that far ahead and didn't do it that way, but that would have been smart if I had that foresight to say See, this time only. <laughs> right. See, we're learning from you, Meg. This is what's going on in this podcast is I joke all the time that I do it for free business consult. Like <laughs> I think I heard Donald Miller say that on his podcast this week too, or last week, but, but I feel like it's, it's, because as you hear how people's businesses grew, you can kind of look at not even mistakes they made, but you can think about ways to apply it going forward. And that was just something that I, I thought of. But yeah, we're all learning from you. It's so great. I love it. Okay. Were there any other resources that were helpful when you were first starting? Like, were there any podcasts you listen to or online resources or books or things if people want to start a course what do you think was most helpful to you I mean you had the teach experience where you were actually teaching so that was probably but were there other ones that come to mind it's okay yeah. if none <laughs> yeah, yeah I actually looked outside of occupational therapy a good bit um, yeah I, I did that for starting my private practice when I was trying to do a cash piece practice as well as developing my course because the psychotherapy world there's just more of them and they've been yes. doing it longer. Yeah. So my consultants and people like that have been from that world. And my Facebook groups that I turned to early on were largely there as well. Although there's immense value in the, the OT world as well. So I got some help from a consultant named Marissa Lawton. Okay. And she has a mastermind that she's teaching now called Side Hustle Support Group where she teaches people how to develop and market things like cool. online courses. And she's awesome. She is, I think, a social worker by, by training. But her approach was marketing with empathy. So really authentic, non-salesy yes. um, marketing. And when I read her webpage, I was like, oh my God, you just described me. I need your help. And, yes. and that was what she was trying to teach me how to do, to have people read my website and go, oh my God, you're speaking right to me yes. and to the things that matter to me. So I didn't take her course. She was still developing it then. I just paid her for maybe five or six consultations. Mm -hmm. And she helped me with my copy, with the, the wording on my website um, a lot. Which and is great. With my Thank you. <laughs> Everyone should go to learnplaythrive.com if you want to see good copywriting. Go right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she completely um, transformed it. And, and one of the big shifts, and this is relevant for everybody who has a website, was from talking about me to talking about the person yes. reading my website. Because it was like, I do this and I have this training. And she was like, nobody cares about you. They care about the transformation they're going to experience from yes. what you have to offer. Exactly. Yeah. So you're she preaching my language, that. girl. You're preaching yeah. my well, language. Now I see it everywhere. People are like, I have all these qualifications. And I'm like, blah, blah. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody cares. You can put all those letters after your name. Nobody cares. They want to know that you can help them. That you can have a what it's yeah. like working with you and is yeah. what it's like working with you that you're going to talk about yourself because if so yeah. I'm out yeah right yeah. so <laughs> anyway she also helped me with marketing because I was just going to leave my course open I didn't have a free master class I, I had no idea what I was doing I, I have no background in business or marketing right um so she helped me put together a plan and um gave me a lot of ideas that that really worked 
Can you, if you don't mind sharing, can you tell everyone that is listening to this how much you paid her for your business consult with her? I can Ooh, edit yeah. it out if you don't feel comfortable, but no. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good question because because it can feel like a lot, but it had such such immense value. For absolutely. Me. Um, I think I paid her two hundred fifty per hour. Yep. There, I, I bought like a package at some point that might have made it less. Exactly. Um, but. It, it cannot be understated. That's, I'm so thankful that you actually shared the numbers because I think often it's all shrouded in mystery, like what people are getting paid or what people are paying for consult for their business or what we're investing in our own trainings to make us better business owners. And I think with business training, as long as you know that you're going to get a re good return on that investment and that it's going to be helpful to you in growing your business there is the sense that that is money well spent because it's going to help you make more money, you know? And I, yeah. I think from what you've shared about her, it sounds like it was $1,500, $2,000, whatever, really well spent because you took that and it made your course go from seven people that enrolled the first time to 45, the sixth or seventh time you've run it maybe like, that's a huge increase, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I credit a lot of my success to what I learned from her and the, the direct help she gave me. Uh, when I was talking to her about my individual business, she was pushing me to increase my consultation rate. Mm -hmm. And so I only charge 75 an hour when I consult with occupational therapists. And I was like, you know what? No, because I'm working with people who are making $45,000 a year working in the schools who want right. help with their caseload. Right. And they're not going to make any more money for getting my help. <laughs> right. You know, they're just yeah. trying to be better at their job. Yeah. And I think that's very different than her who is helping me grow my business. That um, is a great that, point. She was like, oh, yeah, that's it's, different. Well, and it's a way, it's a perfect example of how as a business owner, you are in control of what you charge and you can make those decisions if you're the business owner, right? So you're kind of giving a, a reduced rate. I would say that's a reduced rate for o, even for an OT to come consult about a kid or whatever. $75 an hour is a very low rate. And you don't live in a super low. I mean, Asheville, North Carolina is not a super low cost of living area, you know? No, but so... So $75 an hour is a very low rate, but the way you're thinking about it, at least this is what it sounds like, is that those therapists that you are helping are really out of the goodness of their own heart, paying their own hard-earned money to get better at their job, to be able to serve kids and families better. And so you, out of the goodness of your heart, are giving them a very affordable rate to help them do that. It's almost like a it's almost like a way that you're giving back to the community in some ways that you're offering that lower rate. But if you were to turn around Meg Proctor and offer a class on how to create a course for occupational therapists and other, you know, healthcare professionals, how to create a really successful online course. Well, I would hope you would charge more than $75 an hour because those people are taking that information and they're going to be able to make money off of that. Is that kind of your thinking on it? Is yeah, that because to me it makes total sense? I think it's an excellent way to think about pricing in a business, you know? Yeah, I, I do think so. Although it doesn't, I, I really enjoy doing the consultation piece. So it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, an Burden. charity or something, you know, <laughs> right, like right, it right. is, it is a real hourly wage. It's not a crazy yeah. high hourly wage. And, right. I, and I like doing it. Whenever I finish those sessions, I feel inspired and mm -hmm. I have. I, it gives me ideas for things to write blog posts about and do Facebook lives about, not specific to the person or the case, but it gives me topics to understand, oh, this is the kind of thing people are struggling with. Yes. Maybe I should address something similar to that to reach folks with my content. So, you know, I definitely get something out of it too. Well, and that's another great, great value add for you as the business owner is it's keeping your hands in the actual practice and keeping your pulse on what what's going on in real life practice so you're kind of balancing out like it's a very fair rate to charge therapists who are really not making a lot of money and also it benefits you going forward to grow your business so yeah that's how you can offer a little bit lower rate that's cool 
I like that philosophy. I hadn't thought about pricing so much in that way because so much I think of what I talk about on this podcast is really encouraging people to value themselves and charge what they're worth because so many other healthcare professionals are charging significantly more per hour than OT. And I think it undervalues our profession when we're not charging what other therapists that are similar to us in education or in, in expertise are charging for their expertise, you know? So I want us to value ourselves as OTs and also run successful businesses. And too often I think OT businesses end up having to shut down because they're not charging what they're worth or they're not advocating for fair reimbursement for our services. And then that also gets into like health insurance too. Like health insurance is never going to value us if we're not actually charging what we're worth and like advocating to lobby for higher reimbursement rates. But that's a whole other topic that I will get on a huge angry soapbox about (laughs) because insurance does not pay us what we're worth. But okay. So I don't want to go down. I don't want to go down that route right now, but Okay, let's talk about, you had mentioned earlier in this podcast, you said, I'm not very structured with my time, but I want to know about like your daily life as an entrepreneur. What does your day look like and what does your week look like and how do you structure your time? Oh, Laura, (laughs) it's a mess. I I went back and listened to some of the early episodes in your podcast um, about how to structure your time. Oh, the time management. Yeah, that three-part I like that. I also read Getting Things Done in 2005, actually. That's probably about when I did. That's so funny. <laughs> but I, I, have, I have been short on time to do my private practice. And not because I'm so busy all the time, but it's because I, I spend a lot of time with my kids. Mm-hmm. My husband and I both do. We have a, a five-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. And we have four mornings a week of childcare. And then we kind of just shuffle them back and forth between us in the afternoons yep. and on Fridays. And, and we like it, but it does leave us both time deprived for getting our work done. Yep. <laughs> and that is why I just dropped my teletherapy contract, because what I found was that I, w- I have had people asking me for six months to develop a next advanced topic course. Mm. And I have people who want live trainings in their town. I, I don't, I didn't talk much about that, but I give live trainings, the same content as my online course. And I have, I want to write a book. I have a lot that I want to do in my private practice and I don't have time to do it. Right. And so it was clearly time to drop the side gig and invest more time in my course. You talked about what not to do in one of your early podcasts, <laughs> which was like being in putting out fires mode. <laughs> And like shifting all the time from one task to another. That's how I run my business. (laughs) I just, I just do the most pressing thing in like the four minutes I have before the baby needs to nurse because I work from my home and I nurse. And so like, man, I was trying to work at eight o'clock the night before last and I couldn't even work then because both of my kids woke up and they both needed me. Like there is very little protected time. So that's what I do. My baby wakes up all night and you know, you're not supposed to sleep while you hold a baby like on the couch because it's not safe for them. So I am on my phone in the middle of the night to stay awake right. and I respond to emails. I, I've just got on Instagram. I'm trying to figure out what on earth to do there. So I oh man, I'm putting a bookmark on that because your Instagram is fabulous. So I, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Well, I will say uh, just on this topic that Instagram flagged me as a spam bot and locked me out for a few days because I was posting in the middle of the night and they were like, I, I think what? their reasoning is no person operates on a 24 hour schedule. And I was like, except a nursing mom. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So, yeah. So that's what it's looked like, but I got Trello on your recommendation and I like it. I am going to time block. I'm, I'm going to do better. <laughs> okay. This was year. not, this was not intended to be a question to be like, Oh, your podcast was so great. It helped me. Like, <laughs> please tell but, everyone. Like, <laughs> I know, but it was like a 
a little kick I needed. I'm also hiring some administrative support. Um, I've been doing some work trades, which is cool. People who want to take my course and can't afford it. I've been oh, doing good. some work trades with them because I need help and they need to learn. That's and great. So yeah, I'm, I'm working on kind of getting all my... That would be a really great thing to do with a student or someone who's just starting out who wants to take your course who may not have a lot of money. They might be really good at like managing your social media, just kind of keeping track of because they are on it all the time and they just naturally. That's do that my stuff. Instagram secret, Laura. I didn't oh, it is? start it. Yep. I had yeah. another OT because I, I just, I still don't know what Instagram stories are. I, I tried to make what it took me like six tries and I'm still not sure I did it right. Um, I know. <laughs> That's how I am too. And Instagram lives, I'm like, am I, hi, is anyone looking at this? Like, okay, hi everyone, you know, the three people that are on it. 10 seconds, I don't don't know what I'm supposed to do there, but I I had somebody who likes Instagram and is crafty and makes nice activities um, who wanted to take my course. I traded her, you know, I, I, the, the, the amount per hour that I pay her is, is great good and fair and she takes the course and she does something that she likes that I actually don't like which is making learning activities that mm-hmm. look nice but are homemade because mine are super like makeshift cardboard boxes cut with daggers with stuff taped to them I love <laughs> it though I think that that's so OT when I first saw one of the things that really struck me when I first, I don't know if it was on your Instagram or on maybe one of your free blog posts or something. I can't remember where I saw it, but it was the activity that you structured where the cars are on one side in a plastic tray. There's a little road drawn across a piece of paper on a cardboard box, and then they drop it into the, you know, on the other side is the circle and they drop it into the container on the other side. And how it had a really clear structure from beginning to end. It had a really clear purpose. You take the car out here, you go across and you put it in, but it's, it also allows for play because you can be, make sounds and play with them while they do it. And I remember being like, this is so like the things everyone has around their house that are, that are easy to use. And I think in that way, it's showing how the approach doesn't take some fancy material or really expensive equipment. It's more thinking about how you structure an activity with kids. And it was really, I loved it. I thought it was a really great example of how OTs should be functioning, like using stuff that's in the child's natural environment, you know? And I I do talk a lot about that in my course that one, if you make something beautiful, a teacher or a parent is going to be like, yeah, right. I don't have time to make that or skill. Um, but also if you make something beautiful and then you give it to a child and it doesn't work, you're a lot less willing to go back to the drawing board and do something different. And we need to learn from our um, autistic kids about what makes sense to them and how they think and learn. Mm. And if, you may, if something took you two minutes and you give it to them and you're like, oh, that didn't make sense. Let me redo it really quickly. So I do, I'm, I'm not especially crafty and I think there's a benefit to not taking a lot of time making learning materials, but it felt like I couldn't hang on Instagram with my super ugly activities. So I do have somebody who makes them look a little nicer, still accessible, (laughs) still easy, still with real, it's the same stuff, but she just like knows how to cut a straight line. Right. (laughs) In a way I don't. And there's there's also an art to Instagram with like knowing how to write it in a way that's engaging. I have an admin support. I call her my business manager. I mean, cause she does so much more than just admin support. And part of her role was doing the social media, but she actually didn't love all the captioning. And so she farmed that out. Like basically she's like a, a subcontractor of someone who is a contractor with my business. Right. So oh. So there's a student who I've never met who is fabulous. If you are listening, Devin, I love you. She does these fabulous Instagram posts. So on my Outdoor Kids OT, now the Mind Your OT business, my my Instagram for Mind Your OT business is all me. No one's managing that. And it's very clear when you look at the feed that it is me, the person who doesn't <laughs> do very well on Instagram. If you look at the Outdoor Kids OT one though, and anything that has like an activity with, with a caption under it that's talking about what we do with kids out in the woods and in our therapy sessions, that is likely written by Devin. And she gets at things in a way that I don't think it would take me an hour 
to write it the way she does. And I, I don't think it takes her an hour. I think she just naturally kind of knows, or maybe it does, maybe I'm under, <laughs> underestimating, but it's really, really good. And I, I just can't, as a business owner, you come to a place where you just don't have the time to really yeah. manage all of that. Cause it can eat away so much time when you need to be thinking about like the finances in your business and how you're going to pay your employees and how you're going to market to fill the last few spots you have or, or whatever, you know, that's what your business owner brain needs to be thinking about. Not like how to caption this thing on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I, but I, I do my captions. I just don't make the activities. I, I, I yeah. still kind of, I'm owning all the content right now, but I right, hope right. over time I can find the right people to take right. a little bit and more. I think that's what as like CEOs, it's not something that comes naturally to OTs really. And thinking about, you know, early in your business, thinking about when you reach that overwhelm, what is it that you can outsource that doesn't need your OT CEO brain? Yeah. You know? I think I need to outsource my laundry because I find myself doing that when oh. I just be working. <laughs> Wouldn't it be, my husband and I argue all the time. I feel like we need a housekeeper. Like I am in a PhD program and I'm running a business and I'm running a side business and I'm teaching, which has got to go. I got to go. I got to get rid of the side hustle, Meg. <laughs> I love teaching too though, but, but I just, he, he's just like, no, no, we can handle it. I'm like, no, we can't. Yeah. And when you work from clean. home, it's the worst. Cause you're like, well, right. there's that pile. Yep. Maybe I should do that instead of this giant, you know, business to do list. Right. I always, I always try to get out of the house. I try like when I really feel like the, I'm seeing the dishes and the laundry more than I'm focusing on my work. I try to like get out of the house and go somewhere because I just can't, I can't focus but I don't I don't have young kids at home either the world changes when you do not have young kids Meg there there is like a light at the end of the tunnel as far as like you will have a lot more time for your business in the future and I think you're really wise to have boundaries now to know that your kids are only young once and you want to spend a lot of time with them and to me it sounds like even though you're having to work in those little tiny windows of time I think it sounds like your priorities are really straight as far as like wanting to be present with your kids when they're really little and still yeah. have your business. You can do both, you know? It feels really good. I couldn't yeah. have imagined being here when I left my, my wonderful faculty position. I mean, my productivity at Teach was 13 clients a week. Like it was kind of a dream job until it wow. wasn't the right fit for my life, you know? Yeah. So I couldn't have imagined that I would develop a business that was you know, so much more in line with how I wanted my life to look by the time mm -hmm. I had two kids. And it, it, it feels really good, definitely. Yeah, that's great. Uh, let's go to our last question. I'm gonna ask you about the biggest failure you've experienced in your business and how can other people avoid it? Yeah. I Okay, so when I first started, the way I envisioned my private practice was that it would be cash-based teletherapy while I had my year-long non-compete from UNC, mm -hmm. um, and then cash-based in-person. And that pretty much crashed and burned. And I really gave it everything I had because I thought I saw a need and I thought I would be successful. So mm -hmm. I, I, you know, market, I had like a Google ad, which those are really expensive and yeah. paid somebody to do it for me. I tried to just kind of give it my all and it didn't land. And I think that my lesson was that my, my needs assessment there was, I saw that there was a need, that there were people who wanted to work with OTs who specialize in autism, but that those people weren't ready or able um to pay cash or to right work virtually when when there are local options that they could keep trying who do take insurance and i you know as a parent i would find somebody who took my insurance too right so i feel like i probably could have saved a lot of money by testing the waters more before i went in heavy on the like expensive branding marketing angle for that yeah um, like doing google ads you mean yeah yeah google ads and, yeah you know, i paid somebody to make a marketing video for me i've heard you talk about starting small on the podcast and and mm -hmm. i i did start small but i think i could have started even smaller and realized that maybe it, i didn't need to throw money at it i needed a different idea 
Yeah, that's a good, that's a really good point. I've never done Google ads. I've done some Facebook ads and we've gotten a few clients from Facebook ads, but it's always hard to know if, if it was actually the ad or is it just that they found us on Facebook, but they don't say, I saw the ad on Facebook that said X, Y, Z, you know, like, so you don't really know if they're coming through Facebook because they learned of you on Facebook or if they learned of you through the ad you ran on Facebook. I know. You know? So I, it's I hard have that to... question too, but Facebook ads are so inexpensive. that it's They're so inexpensive. The I would guess I've spent a total of, I've been in business almost five years and I think I've probably spent a total of four to $600 in, in Facebook ads. They're, they're not that expensive. And it's generally been when we have like a few spots left in a group that I want to fill and it's very targeted, like five to seven year old Tuesday at this park, you know, or whatever. So it's very targeted to people in a certain area that have children. And that is the, I learned a lot about that yesterday at that training. That is the cool thing about Facebook ads is you can really target who is getting to see your marketing in a way that is not possible on Google or on other, on other platforms, really. It's really interesting, but that's really good advice. That's good advice for people just starting out to really focus maybe more on word of mouth or like maybe in-person kind of organic advertising or marketing per se than to pay a lot for some sort of online marketing. So let's do the positive thing then. What's, what's going so well right now? And how can other people have the same success? Yeah, I mean, my course, I've just reached so many people. And that's been really exciting to have hundreds of people who have taken it either between the live trainings and the online trainings. Hundreds. How can other people meet that success? I think that they need to see that there's a need and then they need to feel like and be an expert in whatever their subject matter is and be able to connect what they have to offer with the need that people have. I think starting there, engaging, what do people want to learn? And am I the person that can teach it to them? And then, and then teach it well, because once you start getting that social validation, you have people leaving reviews and telling Mm -hmm. their colleagues, then it kind of takes off. So creating really good content that people want to hear. I think, I think there's a lot of courses out there that could be made by whoever OT has the experience to teach it to others. Yes. More OTs need to get into this kind of business model where we're sharing our knowledge in a way that reaches a large number of people. Again, because I really think that's a way to, to up the, up the ante in our profession, like help others know about us and know the value that we offer to the world and the people we serve. So great, wise advice. So I hear you have a little something special for listeners. Can you tell everyone where to find you online and share whatever else you may have in store coming up? <laughs> yes, absolutely. So I'll start with my something special. Um, so my online course will open for enrollment again in mid-January. 2020. Yes. Because it's 2019 right now. (laughs) You're listening in the future. It'll launch some other time. So I I did create a coupon code for your awesome listeners. If they would like to take my course, I would love to have them. Um, The coupon code is MYOTB for Mind Your OT Business. So it's MYOTB and then the number 35 because it's $35 off of the enrollment. Oh, thank you, Meg. That's an awesome gift. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really generous. So MYOTB35, if you want to get $35 off of Meg's really fabulous course. And I truly feel like I don't know of any other course online that's going to give people this content. You've really met a need in our profession and are really helping OTs meet the needs of their clients and families with autism. It's just, it's just amazing. So so I have, I have some free stuff too. Ooh, free so stuff too. All of this is at learnplaythrive.com. So they can okay. find my, my full course, the Learn, Play, Thrive approach to autism. It'll open up in January. I just made a gift certificate so they can ask for it for Christmas. Um, oh, awesome. That's so great. <laughs> I don't think I have that linked anywhere except my email list, but that one was learnplaythrive.com slash gift. Um, okay. But I do, I have, I have a smaller course coming up and a free summit. So the smaller course is a live training on behavior problem solving for autism. 
That's one of my favorite ones to do. That'll also be in January and that's enrolling now. And that is a a very inexpensive course. And then people get the full amount that they paid for that off of the whole course because the content is duplicated. Oh, cool. So they don't pay for it twice, but they do get to work through the problem solving process in a two hour course live together with me because I know we learn best by doing. So that is a really nice way to like see if you want to take the full course or just learn the behavior problem solving piece. Mm -hmm. So I have that. And then I am extremely excited that I'm organizing a summit in the very beginning of January called neurodiversity in the new year. And I have the most amazing speaker list of, um, professionals on the autism spectrum, like the autistic OT and somebody who works for autism level up. I have OTs like the pocket OT talking about trauma informed care, the autistic OT talking about how we can foster the development of positive autistic self identity topic. Most of us have never delved into a couple of awesome folks from autism level up are going to be talking about their emotional regulation strategies. Mm-hmm. And um, Susan Bazic from Every Moment Counts, she does oh, the she's cafeteria refreshing. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. And she's going to, I emailed these people feeling like such an imposter. And they replied being like, I would love to speak at your summit. And I was like, but, but you're so amazing. Right, right. <laughs> so they're all going to be speaking. And this is totally, totally free. Oh, it's so great. So yeah, I would love for folks, you do have to register so people can register for that on my website. And then I have some like free eBooks and things like that. And yeah. Your end- eBook, your eBook is amazing too. I downloaded that, that, that is just, that has so many practical things, totally free. So many practical ideas for people could just take that and like immediately the next day implement with kids that they're working with. I loved it. I love it. I loved it. Yeah. That's exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then I think the only other place where I really am is Instagram. So um, it's just Instagram.com slash learn, play, thrive. And you have the group on Facebook, right? That that anyone can join, right? So the learn, play, thrive Facebook group, is that that people would find it if they look for that? It's funny that I forgot to mention that after our long conversation about building my whole business on Facebook. (laughs) Um, Yes. So it's the Facebook group is called, called Learn, Play, Thrive Autism Resources for Professionals. Okay. You can link to it from my website. It's in the um, footer of my website. I'll put it um, in the show notes too for this yeah, episode yeah, so people can it's see like it. Facebook.com slash group slash OT and autism. So. Okay. Um, yeah, that's an open group. People ask questions. I do a ton of Facebook lives on there, get free content. So people should definitely join that as well. Yeah, that's great. I would just want to say really quick before we wrap up that you kind of mentioned the imposter syndrome, like emailing people and being like, will you come? And, and people are like, yes. And you're like, wait, do you know? Okay. But it's just me. It's, oh, why are we, you know, and, and I think what, what I hope people hear on this podcast, cause you're not the first person that mentions it. I've talked about it. Lots of people have mentioned just feeling like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, just kind of like nervousness that comes along with entrepreneurship and kind of putting yourself out there. And would you agree that it's so encouraging that people are just people? Like you, you email these people that you think are, are these, they're kind of like mini celebrities in our minds, right? Like, would they really be able to speak at my event or whatever? But they are so gracious and so generous when they write back. And I just feel like, everyone's a person and it, it takes out some of the nervousness about it and just makes you feel connected to other people's work and excited about what everyone's doing. And their kind of momentum kind of builds when people work together. And I don't know, it's just, I've found that people tend to be very generous and, and kind instead of inaccessible and it's encouraging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. I totally agree. Yeah. So ending on that lovely note, Meg, thank you so much. This was just such a pleasure to talk to you. And I'm so excited to watch your business grow. I want to bring everyone back on that I interview in like a year or two and be like, so what's going on now? Because it's so exciting, everything you're doing. So congratulations to you. Thank you so much, Laura. This was so much fun. And when we get off, I'm going to go right to Trello and figure out what I'm supposed to do next. (laughs) Getting organized. (laughs) Awesome. Bye, Meg. Bye.
So are you inspired now to start an online course? I know that it is probably much more work than delightful Meg made it sound, but she is doing such great work and I think is such an inspiration to us who are thinking about getting into the online space but haven't really taken first steps to get there. So my takeaway from this episode is really starting to think about do I do I need to wait to offer an online course? So I personally recently recorded over 20 hours of video content from the Therapy in the Great Outdoors training retreat that I did in November. And the plan this year is to package that into an online course to offer for therapists who are interested in taking their work with children outdoors into nature, not just for OTs, but for any professional who works with children with special needs. So that is a huge undertaking, you know, something on par of what Meg was talking about. She's created with, you know, six hours of content and having to use case studies and really structure the content effectively. So I'm working on that. But our conversation, Meg and I's conversation, actually got me thinking about how do I create content that maybe more accessible. So I'm thinking about doing maybe a three-hour masterclass or something that might be able to be offered before I get a huge course done. So that's, I guess, a very big action step, but that's what I'm thinking after this episode is how can I do something small to maybe dip my toe in the online business space offering? So that's it for me. I'm going to be thinking on that and kind of taking some small steps to get started. And I want you guys to, too. So think of an action step today from this episode that you can apply in your own business. And remember, small steps make great gains over time. So until next time, mind your OT business. 